But after their discussion, as Merv and Merla were leaving and walking out the door, he called them back in. And he said, if the Gentiles are starting to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, I hear footsteps of Messiah. He understood the significance (laughs) of that moment. God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promise outpouring, and we equip for that outpouring, so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We have with us a wonderful lady that is also on the Charisma Podcast Network, Susan Michael, and she has the podcast Out of Zion. We love Israel, and you have to understand the importance of Israel if you want to understand the importance of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us today. We're so glad that you're with us. We are going to have a glorious time with our beloved sister, Susan Michael. But before we get started, we want to encourage you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, and you can see our podcast player and have access there to all the podcasts that we've ever done. And there's an opportunity there for you to give us some feedback, or you can email us at feedback at globaloutpouring.org. And we also have information there where you can click on for events that we have coming up. And I especially want to encourage you to tune in on our event that's coming up with Etienne Blom and also the event that's, uh, that's coming up, our School of the Supernatural Translation by Faith with Bruce Allen and Reshma Allen, his wife, and Michael and Gordana Van Vlyman. And you'll also see information there on our tour to Israel. We're calling it the Jerusalem Summons 2023. We're going in November of 2023, and now's the time to get signed up for that so that you can get the few seats that we have. We are not taking a big tour with a bunch of buses. We're taking one bus and having some elbow room on it. So we want you to to pray into joining us on this wonderful time in the land that belongs to our Heavenly Father himself, and he has given it to his chosen people. Susan Michael, we are so glad to have you with us today. Um, We've known you, not closely, but we've known you for a number of years and seen you going back and forth at the feast and and having some... uh, some dealings with you helping us get our group uh, settled and <laughs> yeah. and get our get our registration all taken care of. So it's a delight to have you with us today on our podcast. Thank you, Sharon, and it's great to be with you and Phil. We do go back a long way. Yes, and uh, but we haven't been in touch recently, so it really is wonderful to reconnect with you. Yes, and to be a part of your podcast today. So thank you for having me. Well, you know, the thing that that the Lord has put on our heart for this podcast is to contend for the outpouring and to equip for the outpouring so that we can engage in the outpouring, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that uh, that Joel 2.28 talks about. And one of the things that we understand is the importance of everyone understanding where Israel is in God's economy, 
that Israel is God's time clock and everything that uh, is, is said in his word, if you don't get the Israel piece, you don't get it. You're just not going to get it. And I know that the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem has been working for years and years and years, decades, um, mm -hmm. educating people and helping people to understand. And you've been deeply involved in that as the director of the, of the United States office. So tell us just a little bit more about how all of this got started and how you got started in it. Well, it's really an amazing story. And uh, it would take a while to tell the whole story, but very, <laughs> Give us very the briefly. Yeah. <laughs> there were a group of Christians living in Jerusalem in the late 70s, and they came from all over the world, a number of countries. And they were there for a number of different reasons. Some were academics, some were journalists, some were intercessors. They are called to be in the city and involved with churches. And they got together regularly and prayed for Israel. And they had two... I call them burdens or visions in their heart that the, the Lord was placing there in this group. And one of the visions was the fact that back in the 70s, there were hardly any churches around the world that understood the significance of the biblical feast of tabernacles. And <laughs> it's actually prophesied that one day the Gentiles, the nations would celebrate this feast, and yet no one even knew what it was about. So they said, we have got to begin bringing in awareness of the Feast of Tabernacles. We need to begin celebrating it here in Jerusalem. And Mervyn Merla Watson were a key part of that group, and they were musicians, and mm -hmm. they really are the ones that had that vision and led on it. Yes, and, and, and so, they, they ministered to our tour groups when we came in the, in the 70s, too. Yes, and so in 1980, they were planning to have the first international Christian celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. Now, mm. let me back up. At the very same time, this prayer group in Jerusalem had another vision, and that was that they wanted to start a Christian organization in support of Israel. And of course, this part of the vision was led by some of the other members like Jan Willem van der Hoven mm -hmm. and others. And uh, in 1980, it all just came together because as they were working to organize this first Feast at the Tabernacles, at the very same time, the Israeli Knesset, which is their parliament, was voting on and passed what was called the Jerusalem Bill. And that bill declared all of Jerusalem, east and west, north and south, all of Jerusalem to be the eternal and undivided capital of the state of Israel. Amen. And there was international uproar against that, of course, and the Arab countries threatened oil embargoes on any country that recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And so all of the foreign embassies located in Jerusalem literally packed up and moved out of the city that summer. Wow. And oh. so at the very first Feast of Tabernacles, two, three months later, these founders announced, they said, we do not support what our governments have just done. And therefore, we're starting an international Christian embassy in Jerusalem that represents millions of Bible-based Christians around the world who understand the significance of Jerusalem to the Jewish people, because we mm -hmm. read it in our Bibles, right? and who stand with Israel at this moment and in this decision. And so it was a real key point in history 
when you look at the history of Jewish-Christian relations for 2,000 years, it had yes. been terrible. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yet here in the heart of the newborn state of Israel, you realize Israel was only 32 years old at the time. Wow. And this wow. international Christian organization is burst in Jerusalem saying, we represent millions who stand with you. Amen. It was unheard of. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how it got started. Now, Sharon, I had just arrived in Jerusalem in August of 1980 mm. to start a master's degree on Mount Zion. And the director of my school who mentored me in my degree program, Dr. George Jacobakis, was a part of that prayer group. Wow. And so he made sure that we students were aware of this Feast of Tabernacles. And um, and that's how I got to the first feast. But oh, wow. it's let me tell you quickly another story. Okay. First week of classes, we're in class. I don't remember what even what the class was. And our professor, Dr. Ray Pritz, points out three of us and says, see me after class. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So we go up to him and he somehow had picked the three that he knew were spirit-filled and Bible-based, and he said, would you like to start a prayer group? It would be Mm. part of the Intercessors for Israel Network, and I will meet with you the first time, teach you about intercessory prayer, but after that, you're on your own. Wow! So we said, yes, we would, and there is someone living here on campus who was a student last year. We'd like to invite him. He said, fine. That person was Tim King. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. and so we met with Ray Pritz. <laughs> we had our teaching about intercessory prayer. We kicked it off. And in between that meeting and the first meeting of us on our own, Dr. Jacob Makus approached Tim King and said, Would you be the financial director of the new organization we're announcing at wow. the Feast of Tabernacles? <laughs> and so that was our first prayer request. And from there, this little prayer group really became a support group for Tim and for the birthing of the ICEJ from the financial and administrative uh, end of things. And, And so that's how I made it to the first feast and how that I was standing in the front yard of this empty apartment in which they launched the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. Uh, that fall in 1980. And little mm. did I know I was watching my own destiny be birthed wow. uh, because I, as soon as I finished my degree, I moved to Washington, D.C. on their behalf to be a part of the startup of the U.S. branch of the ICEJ. And within a few years, that office in D.C. became the head office for the United States. And I've just been involved in this ministry uh, my whole adult life. This was wow. my calling. Wow. And um, I'm just so thankful to the Lord for his perfect timing. Isn't that Yeah, amazing. that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> wow. Be at the first feast. Wow. Wow. Uh, well, I don't remember which feast it was, whether it was the first or, or an early one where, where they held it at the Anglican school. That's the first. Okay. So that's the first international one in 1980. They did have a smaller one in 79, but it wasn't international. It was just for locals. It was people there in Israel. Okay. But the one in 1980 at the Anglican school had about a thousand people there from yeah. like mm. over 15 countries. So you were wow. there. Well, I was there. Um, oh. S- Siggy Oblander spoke. Um, okay. and, and being a German, you know, she had a message that a, a German Christian, 
she had a message that um, would be important, important. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the the World War II and the Holocaust in the in, in 1980 were still very fresh memories mm-hmm. for a lot of people, and yes. and uh, and and you currently are still taking care of Holocaust victims. In the ICEJ, I'd like for you to talk about that a little bit. But, but um, it it was so important that uh, that they invited her to to come with a word from the heart of a German person, who we we lived and worked with her at that time, and and she was just really embarrassed to even be German. Oh. It was it was crushing for her to realize that her own people had done this. And and she was just, she was just overwhelmed and embarrassed and ashamed, and uh, but but she had a message that uh, that that was life giving, and um, so yeah, I was I was there at that one, and and then subsequent feasts. Um, I don't know exactly when we started attending for all of them, but we we continued for many years until we got our own house there, and we still continued for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sister Gwen, our our founder, spoke a number of times. Philip was in the choir for many years. How many years do you think it I was? I think about ten different times. I did the choir. Yeah, yeah. I got to do the choir one time too, but usually <laughs> I was busy coordinating our tour. So um, that particular year that uh, that I got to sing, we didn't have a tour. And as it happened, it was one of those things that God foresaw, and we didn't. Uh, Sister Gwen had to have a pacemaker put in at that time, and and she got it done just the week before, and she still got there and oh and, and spoke for the <laughs> feast. But she, uh, you know, she wouldn't have been up to leading a tour group. So uh, that was one of those um, God timing things that that it was life changing for me. I loved it so much mm-hmm. because my, you know, I was I guess probably twenty when when I took my first trip. And and uh, I, I was absolutely unaware of hardly anything. I mean, I'd read the Bible, I knew Bible stories, but but I I didn't understand all of the stuff yeah. that that you need to understand. And you know, I've probably gone. Uh, I quit counting at thirty times, and then I, I I sort of withdrew and thought again. It's probably been forty times, and then I. Quit counting, and then I withdrew. It's, I'm sure it's been over fifty times now that mm-hmm. I've been to Israel, and 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 it's it's so key to understanding mm-hmm. the things of God. Yeah, absolutely. Can you speak into that some about about how the Bible comes alive? for Oh people? yeah, I mean that's what it was totally life changing for me. My studies there. I had first gone in 1978 as a for a summer study program. And uh, it just completely changed my life because I love the Bible already. I read it every day as like my spiritual guidebook as the Lord to speak to my heart that day. And then I went to university and I decided to major in the Bible. So now I'm also studying it every day as a theology book or doctrinal book. And still none of that prepared me for what happened when I got to Israel. And now I'm (laughs) studying the Bible with the Bible in one hand and a map in the other hand. Yeah, there you go. And yeah. drawing out what we're reading and then studying that area of the country, the history, the geography, the geology, the culture, modern day, everything. And then the next day we'd get on a bus and we'd drive out there to that area, uh, sit on a hilltop, yeah. get out our maps 
and review the scriptures that we had studied the day before, it completely mm. changed the way I read the Bible. Oh, yes. And yeah. I say it's like the Bible stood up and became alive. It took on flesh and bones because mm. it's about real places yes. and real people. Mm-hmm. And it's a historical account, an accurate historical account, by mm-hmm. the way, yeah. of real events and of things that took place. And I'm sitting there looking at where it all happened. So it, it became very alive, but you're also surrounded by prophecy fulfilled. And that helps you to understand just how true and how accurate this book is. Mm -hmm. And I call it the most exciting book on the planet. I agree. And and my heart breaks when I hear people that say they find it boring or they can't understand it or it's complicated. (laughs) And I'm like, you are missing out on the most exciting book that it's within your reach. And yeah. that's what happens when you go to Israel. Yeah. They just need the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow on them yeah. as they're reading. They need that for sure. But they also need to learn how to read it from that perspective. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I'm actually writing a book on this right now. Oh, It'll be wonderful. published in December. Wonderful. It will be called Encounter the 3D Bible. And it's Mm. how to read your Bible so that it does come alive like that. I have such a burden to bring this Israel experience to people. Of course, we encourage everyone to get to Israel and have that experience for themselves. But I recognize there's a lot that will never be able to make that trip. And we want to bring it to them. So we're going to be launching this book in December. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, one of the other things that you are doing with the feast is um, making it available online for people who can't get there. Now, it's probably too late for people to just jump on a plane now to get there for this feast. Uh, since it's next week, uh, at least by the time this uh, this is uh, broadcast, that it'll be next week. So I understand that you have an online program that people can can subscribe to. Can yes. you tell us about that? Yes. Well, first of all, with God, nothing is impossible. So if someone <laughs> needs to go get on an airplane and get there, it. it can still happen. Yes. But um, yes, you know, we routinely have five, 6,000 Christians that come from all over the world for the feast. But with the coronavirus shutdowns, all of a sudden, no one could even enter Israel. And so we had to go online and we had 7,000 registrants the first year. We were floored by it. (laughs) And um, so we're so grateful that this year we can once again have an in-person feast Yes. Uh, we didn't even know until March that the doors were going to open. So yeah. we didn't know how many people to expect, but we are going to have probably 2,500 people Glory in person in Israel. But we will always, every year, continue to also have an online registration process so that people all around the world can log in and can be a part of the feast from their homes. So mm-hmm. we will give you the link. You can put it in your show notes. Yes. It's just icejfeast.org. They can go there and register for the online feast. And the other thing that we're really suggesting that people do is host a feast watch party. Love you it. know, the feast is a feast of joy. It's a feast yes. of celebration. It involves food and having a little booth, what we call a sukkah out in the backyard and uh, you go out there and you eat and you sing songs and it's a wonderful fun feast. 
So we are uh, really recommending that people have a group in their family, their friends, their church. And if they're going to have 10 or more people watch the feast with them, they can contact my office and we'll actually help them get free access to the feast to watch it. And uh, we also are selling a sukkah uh, building kit. So we sell a little kit (laughs) where you can get your basic elements and how to set up a little sukkah in your backyard and really make it real. It's an instructional tool, um, but we want to do everything we can to help Christians all across the United States to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. That's wonderful. Yeah, and, and of course, um, when when we're on this network, they, there are other people from other nations that also tune in. So um, are, are there instructions for other nations? Absolutely. They can go to the same link. They can register there. Um, I'm just speaking as the U.S. branch director that sure. we want to have these feast watch parties. But yes, we want to have it all over the world. So uh, anyone Wonderful. can go to that link. It's uh, icejfeast.org. That's beautiful. Now, uh, talking about the sukkah, the little booth, this this feast is uh, a celebration, a commemoration of what it was like for the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness for 40 years and they lived in these little booths. And they're, you know, they're made of you might be might be made of just a frame and then and then having some uh, some branches on the top and and decorating them with with uh, lovely things like fruits and so on. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to just comment about how fun it is to go through Jerusalem, down, going down the streets, and and even the, the apartments, almost every apartment has a little balcony of some kind so that people can put up their sukkah. They they're they're going to be able to celebrate. They may not be able. They may not have a backyard, <laughs> but they've got they've got a balcony. And you see these little Sukkot all over the country, everywhere. Yeah. And and the hotels have one that that people can eat in. Typically, the people sleep in them, or at least the men do, and they eat in them. And it's just it's just a beautiful thing and and uh, walking down the street you'll see the people carrying the four species do you want to tell us a little bit about that well of course there's many traditions um, that have developed for celebrating the feast of tabernacles um, back in the biblical times it's very interesting that there's a whole list of sacrifices that were to take place in mm. the tabernacle and then in the temple so that by the end of the week, 70 bulls had been sacrificed. And oh, that's right. the rabbis, uh, there's not really a clear explanation given for it, but the rabbis say that it may correspond to the 70 nations that existed in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that for hundreds of years, intercession was being made for the nations at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now today... They have a tradition of taking the four species and they wave it in the four directions and they pronounce a blessing. And I think even in that, there is a continuation of like a blessing of the nations, Mm -hmm. a recognition of the different peoples in the world, the different nations. And uh, so the, the Feast of Tabernacles has this insight from the beginning about the nations. And then when Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah saw in a vision that the uh, nations were going to come up to Jerusalem and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a, it's 
you know, believe that's during a messianic era, but the Feast mm -hmm. of Tabernacles became very associated with the coming of Messiah and the messianic era. And um, it also had this uh, part about the rain because it was a celebration of God's provision for the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert and God provided manna and he provided water for them. Once mm -hmm. they entered the Holy Land, then um, God's provision was in the form of rain, which gave them an abundant harvest. And so this celebration became associated with the harvest. But they always prayed for rain for the coming year because mm -hmm. that would be God's provision for next year's harvest. And uh, there was this water libation ceremony where the priests would go down from the temple to the pool of Siloam and take vessels of, of the living waters from the Gihon Springs there. And they would carry the water up and pour it out on the altar, signifying a prayer for rain, but also the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's associated yes. with Amen. the Messianic era. Right. And that's why we as Gentiles should see this as a week that we can enter into. We're, we're not fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy yet, but we can be practicing for it and like understanding these different elements and the symbolism of the Feast of Tabernacles that goes all the way back to the Bible. Yes. I remember one year there was uh, an Orthodox rabbi that came, and he was quite high-ranking. I don't remember just exactly who he was. But he came to the Feast of Tabernacles that, that, that the Christians celebrate, at, so sponsored by the ICEJ. And, and he welcomed us, and he said in Hebrew, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. And that was the word that Jesus said, you will not see me again until you say, Baruch HaBab B'Shem Adonai. Wow. So it was... Yeah. It, I remember I, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know whether he knew what he was saying to us, but we knew that this is a sign that Jesus is coming and coming soon. Yes. You know, when Mervyn Merla and that prayer group were first praying about Gentiles celebrating the feast, they went to the chief rabbi in Israel and they said, this is what we're wanting to do, but what advice do you have for us? How do we do this? What, you know, so they, that was the purpose of their meeting. But after their discussion, as Mervyn Merla were leaving and walking out the door, he called them back in and he said, if the Gentiles are starting to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, I hear footsteps of Messiah. Oh, he understood God. the significance <laughs> of that moment. And, you know, today, Sharon, churches all over the world are celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Yeah. And wow. it's because so. of the pioneering work of the ICEJ uh, from Jerusalem. It's gone out all around the world. And I do believe we're preparing the world for the fulfillment of Zechariah. I don't know when that'll be, right. but uh, mm -hmm. we're preparing the way for it. And meanwhile, we rehearse. And that not that what, what the word moed really means? The, the, the word moed is, uh, is the word that, that is in Hebrew for, the, for a feast, uh, a festival. And, and it, doesn't it also have the, the impression of rehearsing? Well, it means appointed time. Yeah. So it's an appointment. God has these appointments on his calendar when he wanted to meet with his people. Yes. And uh, and so I, that's what I've always heard. Moed means the appointed time. 
Yes. And that's what we have to understand. This is God's calendar. These are mm-hmm. his appointed times. They're not feasts right. of Israel. They're feasts of the Lord. Exactly. Yeah, and we will be greatly blessed if we can get in sync with God's calendar and meet with him uh, according to his calendar. Of course, we can meet with him at any time uh, through the Holy Spirit anywhere in the world. But there's yes. still something special about these appointed times in God's yes. calendar. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think there's some uh, some saying um, uh, among the the Jewish people that that the whole earth is holy but the nation of Israel is more holy mm-hmm. and the nation of Israel is holy but the city of Jerusalem is more holy mm-hmm. and and the whole city of Jerusalem is holy but the temple mount is even the most holy you know mm-hmm. uh, and and so you have these degrees of of importance and and that really fits with what you just said about you can pray anywhere but something happens when you know it's it's like praying at the at the the hotel the wall some folks call it the wailing wall but it's the western wall the western retaining wall of the temple mount it's not a temple wall cuz Jesus said all of those rocks are going to be taken apart and they were um but but when you pray there uh, I've heard it said that it's a local call. <laughs> yeah. There's there's just something about having your feet in Israel. In Israel, yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Now we we're going to be we're in the process of preparing a, a tour group for November of next year. But we just really want to encourage people to participate in what you are doing in the, the in ICEJ. Um, I I want to circle back and catch the the uh, thing that you're doing with the Holocaust survivors. They're they're getting to be fewer and fewer. Uh, you're really helping them. Can you tell us a little yes, about that? Yes. Well, Sharon. Yes, we do so much more than host the annual feast of Tabernacles, oh, yes. and this is something that a lot of people know of us because of the feast. But right. uh, from day one, our founding it sounded kind of political in a way. International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem. But from day one, our mission statement was Isaiah forty verse one, which exactly. says, "Comfort ye, comfort, comfort ye, my people," says the Lord. Mm-hmm. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And as I said earlier, anybody that knows the history of Jewish-Christian relations for over 1,500 years knows that uh, we needed to come in gently and lovingly and just speak words of comfort. So how do you do that? Mm. Um, You know, it had to be done in very practical ways. And so from early on, we started a humanitarian aid outreach just blessing the needy in Israel, helping with little helps here and there. And we, over the last 40 years, have touched every village, every people group, every strata of Israeli society with aid projects. And then we started an Israel in Crises Fund, and that fund is one that we activate whenever there's a crisis in Israel, like the rocket attacks out of Gaza. Yes. And uh, so we and, have and placed, helped build bomb shelters. We've placed 180 bomb shelters so far and counting, and mm-hmm. about 150 of those are in the south of Israel and 30 are up north. And uh, I mean, there's just a need for hundreds more. But that is such an amazing ministry. It brings, you're not only are you saving lives and bringing physical safety to communities, but you're bringing peace of mind. And we put bomb shelters in schools, you know, near playgrounds or community centers where children are very vulnerable. And so 
families can sleep better at night knowing there's now a bomb shelter at their child's mm-hmm. school. Yes. And uh, this year at the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, the very last night of the feast is going to be held down near the Gaza Strip in one of those I communities. Oh, and that's they amazing. are so excited. They said, we've never had such a large delegation come down and visit us. Wow. And we're going to go down there and show solidarity with these people that uh, we've gotten to know over the years because of the bomb shelters. And so, yeah, then another project is we have the largest home for Holocaust survivors in Israel. It's in Haifa. And uh, it's run by Christian volunteers in partnership with the Israeli uh, nonprofit organization. And what a special, special ministry that has been to these elderly people. Some of them never even spoke about their experiences in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we're able to get them to begin telling their stories. That's and important. then we have Christian tour groups that go through there and they would tell their stories to these Christians. And it wow. brought new life to these people. They had purpose mm-hmm. all of a sudden. And yes. they had hope that they saw that there was a new generation of Christians that would do everything they could to stop a Holocaust. And that meant so much to these elderly people. So those are just a few examples of the things that we've done to show Christian love and support to the people of Israel in very, very practical ways. That's so wonderful. So give us again the uh, the website. Now, we, you've given us the one for the feast. Is there a separate one for the other things that you do, or is it all the same? Well, no, for everything else, it's ICEJUSA.org, and I'll send that to you. We'll put it in today's show notes um, as well. So that's ICEJUSA.org. Wonderful. Well, Susan, thank you so much for being with us. This has just been delightful, and we've so enjoyed ourselves, and it just always stirs me to think about Israel and and helping people get there, because that's one of my passions as well. Get people there, get their feet on the ground, get their their Bibles in their hands and and let that Bible come alive to them in the spirit of of what the Holy Spirit is doing in the land. Well, Sharon, you all are doing a great work and of course we just remember with such warmth in our hearts for Sister Gwen and she really was one of those pioneers yes, she was. Uh, as an early speaker and we so honor her and her legacy and appreciate how you and Phil and the others have just carried the torch and uh, continue to bring people to Israel. So may the Lord bless your ministry. Thank you so much. God bless the ICEJ and you personally as you carry the torch in the United States of America. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.